welcome to Talent Hub Talk. I am Ben Duncan, and this is a place where prominent and inspirational figures from both the local ANZ and global Southwest Ohana share their stories. In today's episode, I am delighted to be joined by Georgi Savelyev, a Salesforce CTA and a specialist in Salesforce Industries Communications Cloud. We discuss Georgi's initial interest in IT, how his Salesforce journey started, and what excited him about the opportunity to join Velocity back in 2018. Georgi passed the CTA review board while employed by Salesforce, but while specializing in Velocity. So he explains if this specialization was a help or a hindrance for his CTA goal at the time. Georgi provides an overview of Salesforce Industries, OmniStudio, the differences between Salesforce Revenue Cloud and Industries CPQ, and explains how he came to specialize in Communications Cloud. Finally, Georgi provides his view on how the Salesforce industry space will evolve, what encouraged him to take the leap and leave his role with Salesforce to start his entrepreneurial journey, and why he feels it is a smart move to have a specialization. I hope you enjoyed the episode, and if you do, please do subscribe for future episodes that are coming through. Georgi, welcome to the show. Hi, Ben. Thanks for having me, long-time listener, and uh, yeah, glad to finally make it on the podcast. Well, I'm glad that you've been a listener. I know you've seen some of your friends and ex-colleagues and peers on the podcast before, so I'm really excited to have you and to unpick your journey and some of your career decisions, and I guess work out how you've got to where you've got to along the way. So obviously, we all discussed the Salesforce journey, but I often like to look back and think uh, or look at how you kind of have ended up here and, and some of the decisions that have enabled that. So if we focus in on your early days and where I guess you became interested in the world of IT. Yeah, so um, where I got started is probably um, back when I was a teenager, when I was you know 13 or 14, I built my first computer and I was always into PCs and all of that. And then when I started university, I was working at an IT help desk. So I think little did I know at the time that kind of you know started my foundations in the IT space, especially in CRM, because I was an IT help desk agent working in a CRM every day. And, you know, what do you know, uh, some years later now I'm specializing in CRM, just a, a different platform. But yeah, that, that's how I got started. So I, I was an IT help desk agent for a while, then I grew to a manager position there. I also uh, helped write knowledge articles and so on. And then after I graduated from university, I joined a company called General Electric. It's a huge conglomerate that, you know, made healthcare equipment, airplane engines, refrigerators, basically anything you can think of. And there I was, uh, I joined an IT leadership program. So it was a rotational program where I had a variety of roles, mostly BA and TM roles. And I landed on the Salesforce team for one of those roles and just kind of fell in love with the technology and the rest is history. Yeah, nice. So when you say you kind of landed on a Salesforce project, what was your first role on that project? I think the position title was techno-functional business analyst. So in, in today's terms, it would probably be like, I don't know, junior technical architect or, I don't know, like senior developer, team lead or something like that. But basically, I was sitting with the business, analyzing some user stories and actually building them out myself. So like designing them and building them out. And I just kind of fell in love with how easy it was to, I don't know, spit out the sandbox, just build something, prototype it, um, and then hand it off to an offshore team for, you know, finishing out the, the development. So you were straight into building things, like it wasn't like you were kind of, you know, gathering requirements and, and passing them off, like your first role in Salesforce was straight into building. 
It, it was kind of a mix of things. It would depend on exactly what the requirement was. Sometimes I would build it if it was relatively simple. Sometimes I would hand it off. But I think it was good to have that mix of, you know, very hands-on, get really deep into the system, and also a little higher level from a design perspective and interacting with the business. I mean, that's, I basically do all of that stuff nowadays, maybe less on the actual building it myself. But yeah, that, that basically comprises by working days nowadays as well. Mm-hmm. So did you instantly know from the first exposure to Salesforce that you wanted to build a career in this space? I wasn't sure that I would want to build a career on it, but I was like, oh, for sure, after I finished this uh, leadership program, so it's a two-year program, and then after the two years, you join a full-time role, typically for you know two to three years in a full-time position on some team. I knew at that point that I was like, for sure, I want to join this team once I finished the program. And then I think once I started on Salesforce full-time, after maybe like a year, year and a half, I was just like, this is the place for me, you know, I like it, I enjoy it, I'm good at it. There are really no downsides to it that I can see. I love the community. So it felt like all signs were pointing to you know, build a career here and it, it kind of happened. But I wouldn't say I, you know, intentionally went down this path. It kind of worked itself out. Well, one one intentional decision you did make was joining Velocity. So this would have been a few years ago, I guess, before kind of Velocity was properly, I guess, mainstream. Like talking from an Australian market perspective, like Velocity wasn't widely known. And then obviously there were some big projects that kind of came up like Telstra and and things like that. But you joined probably at an earlier stage when it was really kind of starting to gather pace. So what were your instant thoughts when you were approached about the Velocity role? What was it that kind of attracted you to going there? Yeah, so for some more context, um, in the GE days, I was working on Aptus CBQ. So not only a sales service pod, but also a CBQ tool. It's now called uh, Conga CBQ. But, you know, one of the core components in Velocity, at least communications, media, energy, cloud, is the CBQ. And so that was one of the initial things that attracted me. I had that foundation of, you know, what is a CBQ, what is pricing, etc. And I thought to learn a different CBQ tool would be relatively easy. Although I don't know the communications industry or any of the other industries that Velocity is working on. But, you know, I have the Salesforce platform knowledge. I have the CBQ knowledge. I just need to learn the industry. I need to learn the specifics. But, you know, that should give me a head start. And then the way I, I learned about the roles, I, I saw a posting of it on LinkedIn. And on LinkedIn, I saw that a mutual connection that worked there. It was someone that I used to work with at GE. And, you know, I respected this person. I reached out to him. And he told me a little bit about the company. And I was like, okay, well... It's founded by one of the people that created Siebel. And one of the big things about Siebel was the whole industry verticalization that made it very successful. And I probably didn't realize it at the time, but you know that that was really the foundation to build something amazing that turned into Salesforce Industries today. So again, I wouldn't say I, I was like really planning and strategizing on it, but it, it kind of worked out for the best. And you know, a few years later, uh, Velocity got acquired and, and we see what happened from there. Did you kind of see that coming? The acquisition, I, I was thinking probably it's going to come. But when I joined back in 2018, I had no idea at the time. But I feel like, yeah, over time, you just felt that due to the close cooperation with Salesforce, you know, they must be at least considering it. Mm-hmm. And we'll, we'll see if it happens. Yeah, interesting. And obviously, uh, you then went across to Salesforce with the acquisition. And that's where you became a CTA, but you were still focusing on velocity. So was that a help or a hindrance um, that you weren't kind of focusing on the core sales service implementations, big transformations, but you were focusing on the velocity piece when you went through that CTA journey? I think it's kind of a, both a, a help and a hindrance in different ways. So from a, from a helpfulness point of view, 
I mean, you do learn a CPQ tool in depth and basically CPQ tools at a high level are more or less exchangeable from a solution architect point of view. So that helped in understanding really the sales process, understanding how everything flows, understanding why you would use a CPQ tool and so on. Also, the typical communications cloud project is an enterprise project where you will have an ETL, you will have a middleware, you will have a lot of complexity, you will be, you know, decommissioning legacy systems. So complexity-wise, it matches CTA quite well. The places where it doesn't help are typically you'll be assigned to one specific industry. So for me, I've been doing Commons Cloud for the past almost five years. And with CTA, you could get potentially any industry. So, you know, you need to supplement your specific industry knowledge with other industries and be ready to tackle any, any kind of scenario. But it does help to, you know, have that really deep focus on some specific data model because it makes you appreciate the data model. And really, to me, the data model is the core piece of any solution and of CTA as well. Yeah, that makes sense. We'll delve now into the world of industries, but just so uh, people understand if they find themselves in the same position, how did you broaden your knowledge of other industries then before we go into the product? But while you were studying for the CTA, like you were focusing on communication cloud, like communication industry. How do you kind of continue to appreciate what's happening in other industries when you are busy, you're on projects, you're on big enterprise engagements? Like, How do you find the time? How do you approach that? Yeah, for finding the time, really, you just need to make the time, <laughs> you know, speak with your manager or team to say, hey, you know, I'm doing this, it will take my extra time on nights and weekends, you know, can you give me a, a reasonable load or help uh, deflect things for me while I'm working on this? So that helped. But in terms of the content itself, I had a study group and in my study group, the two other folks, they would look at different Salesforce success stories. So a success story is basically like a one-page slide or just single page to explain, you know, here's the company, here's what they're doing with Salesforce. And then we would speak through the scenario and then try and draw the data model. We would say, okay, it's, I don't know, a shipping company. They're dealing with shipping packages. You know, here's how we imagine the data model would look. And then we just did that for a lot of different scenarios. And that way, to look at actual real Salesforce customers, you're completely guessing on the data model, but it helps to understand what are different industries, different processes, and so on. Yeah, that makes a lot of sense. And um, also one of the really cool thing about the industry clouds is uh, this is a really good way to study data models. Look at the different industry cloud data models because they're published, and that will give you an idea of, of how the data model changes between industries. So that's something I would recommend doing. I mean, probably an industry solution probably wouldn't be part of your scenario or solution, but it definitely helps to look at the data model and understand that. Yeah, it makes sense. So let's delve into the world of Salesforce Industries. So once was known as Velocity, obviously through the acquisition, the name change. We've touched on it a little bit, but we'll, we'll delve um, deeper. For anyone that's not across it, for anyone that's not had any exposure um, to Salesforce Industries, can you give a quick overview what it is, what's beneath the bonnet? Yeah, so um, in terms of Salesforce Industries, there are the non-former Velocity Industries and the former Velocity Industries. So from the non-former Velocity Industries, we have Financial Services Cloud, which is probably the one most people recognize. There's also Education Cloud, Nonprofit, other things like that. These industries typically have a data model as part of the solution, and then some industry-specific, I don't know, UI components. So for like Education Cloud, there's like a council for students to log in, some pre-built pages where they can coordinate their classes and raise concerns with teachers and stuff like that. So it's kind of like pre-built use cases for that industry. For the Velocity, former Velocity Industries, there's Communications, Media, and Energy Cloud. These three all are, in my opinion, the most complex and have the same technical components, and it's actually the same managed package. So in terms of the technical components, there's Omni Studio, which we can talk about a little bit later. There's the data model, 
There's CPQ, order management, and a few other components. So CPQ and order management have a lot of complexity. They're kind of like applications within themselves. So when you're learning one of these industry clouds, you're really learning a CPQ tool and an OM tool and the data model and OmniStudio on top of the core Salesforce stuff. And then the other uh, former Velocity industries are insurance, health insurance, and public sector. I haven't worked on those personally, so... Yeah, I'm not as deep on those, but yeah, basically the same idea. You know, data model on eStudio and some pre-built components for that industry. But the data models for the three you just mentioned are different to the communication cloud? Correct. The reason why uh, Comms Media and Energy are the same package and the same data model is because historically in Siebel and other platforms, uh, that has been the case where these industries are all about not selling widgets, but selling services. You know, whether you're selling advertisements in media or telco mobile service, Ultimately, you're selling a service, and that's the key thing. The service will get activated, get changed, get moved, get terminated. Um, you really care about that service and its life cycle, and all of these industries, whether it's you know energy, media, comms, uh, all have that. And so there's a lot of synergy to share data model and other things. Makes sense. So what, why did you decide to focus on communication cloud? So that was really just by chance, I would say. So when I joined Velocity, my wife moved to Amsterdam and she joined uh, Telco there. And when I joined Velocity, uh, my manager asked me at the time, you know, which industry are you interested in working on first, insurance or communications? Insurance to me felt like, oh, this is really dry. It's not really an exciting industry. You know, you're selling car insurance, whatever. Communications, you know, given my IT background, internet was always something that was interesting to me. I mean, we use mobile service every day. It just felt more interesting and my wife was working on it as well so i was like you know why not look at this industry and also it had a more complex cbq than what's in insurance so from a functionality point of view that attracted me as well so because you mentioned the data models are similar with some of the other products like your skill set and your knowledge is transferable into those areas but like if you did go into the foundational knowledge of data models and so on obviously is is going to help as well but like is it a completely new learning curve going into one of the other spaces that doesn't have the same data model as, as this? So if you've worked on one of the three comms media energy, I think you could do a project on the other one with like maybe, I don't know, a couple weeks or maximum one month of getting up to speed. You just have to learn what's like what pieces of the data model are used differently between them. For something like uh, insurance or public sector, you have the Omni Studio knowledge, which is a big component. You don't have the data model and you don't have the industry specific components. So it's just a matter of learning those. Like if I was put a, on an insurance project, I think I could immediately add value, at least on the Omni Studio side, but it would take me a while to get up to speed on components and data model. This episode is sponsored by our friends at Flow Republic. Flow Republic is the elite Salesforce Academy, helping architects all over the world to realize their goal of becoming a Salesforce certified technical architect. The success that architects are having with Flow Republic is incredible. So if you are on your journey to CTA, then I highly recommend checking out flowrepublic.com to understand how they can help you. Now, OmniStudio is, again, another word we're hearing about and a product or a tool that we're hearing about. But again, a lot of people won't know what it is. And, and because it's not something that necessarily has been in the core Salesforce world or, you know, it's not been something that's been mentioned in that world. Anyone that hasn't made the transition or investigated moving into the industry space might not know the use case or where it fits into everything. So can you give a, another high level overview of what that is? Yeah, so OmniStudio, you can think of it conceptually as kind of similar to what's available with Flows, but a lot more powerful, and there are a few other components as well. So 
There's something called the OmniScript, which is a direct equivalent to a screen flow. So OmniScript is how you can do a guided process. You have business logic between the different steps. It can invoke integrations, et cetera. More or less the same thing as flow, but more powerful. There's something called flex cards, which is how you can declaratively build UIs. And the data shown in a flex card can be from Salesforce, from another system, or both. And then that can invoke a OmniScript. So to give an example, let's say we're talking about telco. A customer logs into a community portal. They can see their different assets or services that they have. We can do a call out to the usage system to then show them, you know, here are the number of minutes that you have and that you've used this month. Same thing for SMS, same thing for data. You know, here is a button to launch an OmniScript to uh, purchase a voucher for more data, that sort of thing. So what you would need to do with custom LWCs and code in Salesforce Core, you can now do declaratively with OmniStudio. Well. And then there are a couple of backend components as well. There's something called integration procedures, which is kind of like a flow, but without a UI. So you can declaratively build business logic, kind of like declaratively building Apex. There's something called data raptors for extracting, transforming, and loading data. And then all of these things play together. So an OmniScript can have a flex card embedded in it, which references an integration procedure, which references a data raptor. It's hard to really give it justice, but um, I did a series on Apex Hours that kind of has like 10 and 12 modules on Omni Studio. So if you're interested, check that out. We do some demos and explain in more detail what's there. Yeah, definitely. I mean, it sounds to me like, because obviously Flows is huge now, right? Everyone's talking about Flows and, and getting across Flows, but it probably makes a lot of sense for people that are still on that journey to start looking across into the industry space as well. Yeah, I think if you like flows and you're interested in kind of this automation piece, OmniStudio would be super interesting for you. Like for me, the the thing that really impressed me was the first time seeing OmniOut. So OmniOut is being able to take your OmniScript and put it on a third-party site. So this could be, you know, a telco's third-party Adobe site or an insurance company's uh, portal that isn't a Salesforce community. And just actually seeing that live in production is just like, wow, you know, um, because... In flows, you have lightning out, but that's in beta, so you're not allowed to use it in production, and it seems like it's not going to exit beta. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, Omni Studio is just really cool. It's it's really hard to describe it, really. You need to see it in action, so check out some videos if you're interested. Yeah, for sure. And uh, it just, just touching on CPQ, so obviously you've got Salesforce Revenue Cloud, you've got Industries CPQ. I think that's the terminology. Yeah. Like, I guess if a company are operating in the communications world, does it just make sense for them to have industry CPQ? Like, do they have to have the whole industry's product suite? Like, do they play together? Is there ever a use case where someone might have both? Is one a lot more powerful than the other? How do you see that? Yeah, that's a good question. And and I did this all the time. So Revenue Cloud has two components within it. It has uh, Salesforce CPQ, which was formerly Steelbrick. And there's also Salesforce Billing. For Industries Cloud, you cannot purchase, as of today with the licenses, you cannot purchase Industry CBQ by itself. It can only be purchased as a part of, you know, Comms Cloud or Media Cloud or Energy Cloud. So that's one immediate difference where, you know, basically if you're a Comms Media or Energy customer, you should go for Comms Media or Energy Cloud, which include Industry CBQ. That, that's it. No more discussion needed. If you're not in one of these industries, then you should look at Salesforce CBQ. If you're in an industry that sells, you know, services that kind of like have a asset lifecycle similar to what we have in Comms Cloud, maybe then consider using Comms Cloud. But really, those are edge cases. Usually, it's it's as simple as what industry are you in? Comms Media Energy, one of those clouds. Any other industry of revenue cloud. Mm-hmm. But in terms of like technical differences between them, I would say 
I think Steelbrick was originally created with the idea of selling physical things, widgets, like for manufacturing companies, I don't know, selling cars, selling computers, really physical things. Whereas for industry CBQ, the focus was services. Of course, in both cases, like when you sell a car, you'll sell warranty with it, which is service. And when you sell, I don't know, mobile, you'll sell a phone with it, which is a physical thing. So both can do both things, but really the like core strength of each of them is different. Really the focus on like physical things or widgets versus services. Mm -hmm. You mentioned licenses, and I think that ties nicely into the next question, because one of the things I've heard from speaking to, to predominantly partners and to talk to that, because that's where we've seen the most demand in ANZ is um, partners that are looking to bolster their, I guess, capabilities with industry skills. And um, in some conversations I had late last year talking about, you know, what's coming this year, a few people said, look, it's not really had the traction they were expecting. But I think one of the limitations or the drawbacks is the the cost. So is that something that I guess you're aware of that you've heard? And is it a case of, you know, if someone is in one of these industries that has a, a, an industry cloud, does it just make sense now for them to go with that because of the value they get compared to sales and service and, and the, the core platform? Yeah, I mean, I, I would agree that generally the cons about and other industry solutions are relatively expensive compared to what's on the market. If, if you're in one of these industries, I think the, the value that, uh, for example, Communications Cloud gives you is those components, the data model, Omni Studio, CBQ, OM. In theory, if you were in a communications industry, you could buy sales or service cloud, custom build your data model, custom build, you know, it, instead of using Omni Studio, do that with Flow, et cetera. Instead of industry CBQ, use Salesforce CBQ, et cetera. But I think that goes against the whole idea of Salesforce. I mean, the, the point of Salesforce is you want to buy something, it makes you go fast. Yes, it is expensive compared to other tools, but if price is the main thing you're solving for, why would you go for Salesforce in the first place? Why not go for a cheaper CRM or even scrap the whole idea of CRM and build it completely custom on AWS, you know? So the licenses are more expensive, but I think you get a lot out of it. You know, you get that data model. From a partner point of view, the data model is huge because it, it makes repeatable solutions a lot easier. You know, a partner that has done a B2B implementation on one customer and goes to the next customer, a lot of what they've done from a design point of view, a development point of view will be repeatable. And then that translates to a faster time to market for the customers because in theory, then the partner should be able to deliver future projects faster. So I, I think there is a lot of value out of it. But yeah, the, the initial sticker price might be a little bit of a shocker. And I think um, previous conversations with you, you've mentioned the fact that like, you truly can run your business on the industry solution. Yeah, I, I think that's a really cool thing. So if you look at a sales cloud, for example, I mean, typically it would be for a B2B customer that has sales reps, you know, calling or emailing customers, negotiating quotes, stuff like that. With industry CPQ, a lot of that can be self-service. So you could have Rather than having customers walk into a store and place an order, they could go to your community or third-party site, use the APIs, use an Omniscript to place an order completely by themselves. So then you reduce the need for as many sales staff or as many service staff. So getting back to the point of cost, you know, yes, you pay more for licenses, but if you look at everything that you can do, maybe that would reduce your need for headcount for certain staff, and then you know that can balance it out. And then also, if we look from a revenue point of view, if you make it easier for customers to purchase things, probably your revenue would go up and that would offset the license cost as well. So you need to do that detailed cost benefit analysis and see if it makes sense for your business. But 
Yeah. Look at all of the major telcos that are going for comms mode. We have serious major players in the US, Europe, and the other regions. You know, I think there's a reason for that. So who who do you see as the competitors in that space? So the big ones I've heard about recently are like CloudSense is the name that's coming up the most. Um, there's also Aptus, but I haven't really heard of them much in the past. And then there are the traditional telco. So both of those are like Salesforce focused. Beyond that, we have the traditional telco competitors like uh, Amdocs, Nutcracker, those kind of folks. I'm, I'm not really deep on the, the other platforms, so I, I can't speak too deep into them. Yeah, it's interesting that first names you mentioned because they were the ones that we were hearing more about prior to Velocity then kind of launching, like going full steam into the ANZ market. So yeah, it's interesting they're still around and still making some noise. But yeah, Velocity obviously with the acquisition is now probably front of mind. So where do you see, because I guess they're not two competing platforms, right? Because there's a use case for each, right? Core Salesforce and industries. And But where do you see the future? Because you've mentioned like Omni Studio is more powerful than Flows. So do you see that that technology that underpins that and the coming more into core and, and, you know, being utilized by developers, consultants in the core world as well? That's a really good question. I feel like Omni Studio is the place where this is the most applicable. You know, Safe Harbor, I'm not a Salesforce employee anymore. And this is my personal opinion. You know, we'll, we'll see what happens. I can't predict the future. But in my opinion, Omni Studio could be used for any industry, whether you're using industry cloud or not. It's just a very powerful tool. It can do a lot. It has a lot of value of add overflow and other things. I don't see a reason why this wouldn't be available as part of core, maybe as an add-on that anyone can use. And uh, with the latest comms cloud release for uh, winter 23, they are starting to move some of the components into core. So like what used to be custom objects as part of the managed package is now a standard objects in Salesforce and some of the runtimes are moving to standard objects. So if that trend continues, I'm assuming more and more of Omni Studio would move to core and maybe ultimately it's to enable something like that. And I mean, from a customer point of view, customers always ask, you know, what is the difference between Flow and OmniScript? Why are there two different tools? I imagine at some point they would converge on one tool and we'll see what happens and we'll see how long that takes. But yeah, I think it'll be interesting to see how that plays out. Yeah. Well, especially if it's so much more powerful, it would just make sense, right? Because it just strengthens the the core play. But in terms of the industries, do you just see it continuing to expand so that pretty much any industry will have a solution at some point? I think one of the interesting places that especially Comspoud and Media have gone to is they have pre-built applications that are available. They're kind of like accelerators. So to give an example, there's uh Enterprise sales management, which is kind of a reference B2B app that has a B2B flow of quoting. It has a self-service portal. There are some reference products, reference document templates, that sort of thing. So the idea is you take this as a reference implementation, tweak it to your use case, add the additional business processes, change the pricing, et cetera. My feeling is that that's where industries can really grow, where all of the industry clouds can start having these like reference implementations and make it so that customers have faster time to market where they just deploy those components, tweak them and go live rather than having to start from scratch or you know closer to scratch. So that's my feeling on where industries can go. These uh, business applications will keep growing. So what about core? Like where do you see um, the evolution of core? Because you know, obviously it kind of does take some market share away if people, and it's the same business, right? But the service lines could be swinging more towards industries. 
I mean, I think Core will continue to grow. We saw all of the investment in LWCs. There's a lot of investment in Flow nowadays. There are investments in you know increasing the number of community users. I think the the platform will become more powerful and scalable, and I think it's really complementary to the industry clouds. Because right now there are, I think, 12 industry clouds. It's just impossible to cover all of the possible industry scenarios. So I think really, if you're in an industry that's covered by an industry cloud, go for that. Core, the core enhancements will complement it. If you're not, go for core and build your use case on top of the platform. To me, I don't feel there is really a competition between them. Because I guess there's other app exchange products out there that already specialize in industries. So you've got ones that specialize in retail and you've got you know, even recruitment, there's companies out there, I use Salesforce that's built for recruitment agencies. So there are other industry solutions that are third party applications that I guess could be acquired and brought into the mix. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. I mean, one of the big ones is Viva, it's for pharma as well. And, you know, whether those stay as, as third party or whether they, they get acquired, they're basically industry clouds and everything that I've spoken of up to now applies for a Viva or for like an HR application or recruiting application and so on. So I mean, I would strongly suggest, you know, look at the industry clouds, look at what's on the app exchange, consider using one of those as your starting point rather than starting from scratch on top of sales or service. But Interesting that you mentioned Viva because I seem to remember, and I'm not sure if 100% that it was Viva, but I think they're moving away from Salesforce. Uh, I'm, I haven't been following it, but I, I've just heard of Viva many times over the years and it's kind of a spiritual equivalent of philosophy. So that's where I know it from. Yeah, yeah, which is a really interesting move. I think, I, and again, I could be wrong, it could be another company, but I think they've said like in 10 years or something, they'll be off of Salesforce and they'll be on their own platform, which is um, interesting. Um, I wonder where that decision was made, but, um, well, I know where it was made, but how, how they came to that. Yeah, actually, Aptis went down kind of a similar road. They were initially just a managed package on top of Salesforce, and they, I think, split it out into Heroku, and it was available on Dynamics and some other platform, I think, to be able to expand to different markets. So mm-hmm. perhaps they're following that strategy. I don't know, but it's very interesting. I'll definitely have to research it after this call. Yeah, yeah I hope it was Viva. Now I'll, I'll look silly if not, but uh, all good. <laughs> so you, you mentioned Safe Harbor. Um, you're, you're no longer a Salesforce employee. So tell me about that, because obviously you'd been working for Salesforce for a few years now. And you were based out of Singapore at the time, obviously, probably, uh, you know, achieving a lot on a, on a great journey with Salesforce. And you've decided to go and follow your own entrepreneurial journey. So what gave you that confidence? What kind of um, encouraged you to make that leap? And tell me a bit about that. Yeah, so um, when I was at Salesforce, I was a program architect and then a senior program architect. So my role was being, you know, the key advisor for the senior stakeholders within the customer company, within the communication service provider. Uh, It was really an individual contributor role where, yes, I was kind of giving guidance to more junior employees and stuff, but I wasn't, you know, I didn't have a team. Uh, I wasn't leading a practice or anything like that. I think the next step in my career would have been to then, you know, have subordinates, lead a team, lead a practice, something along those lines where I would need more business skills, more sales skills, that sort of thing. My wife also got a job in Dubai. In Singapore, it's quite challenging with uh, work visas especially. So um, it was challenging to find a job there and, you know, something worked out in Dubai. And I was always thinking to do something entrepreneurial for quite a long time. I have a lot of folks in my network that, uh, went from full time to being freelancers or you know doing something entrepreneurial. And looking at them, I saw that the pattern was that they went from full time to freelance or to entrepreneurial, but very rarely went in the re- reverse direction. So I was like, okay, that that probably means something. So kind of 
all of these factors came together to, to mean, okay, you know, my wife has a good offer in Dubai. Salesforce doesn't have an office there, so I don't have the option of staying in Salesforce if we move. I wanted to do something entrepreneurial anyway. You know, the next step for me career-wise would be to lead a practice or something. So, you know, why not do that for myself? Yes, it's more risk, but potentially more reward as well, more learning for me. So kind of everything came together to, you know, the stars line to, to make this happen. And it felt right, so I just decided why not go for it. If it doesn't work out, I think I wouldn't have any problem going back to a consultancy. So what do I really have to lose? Yeah, that's it. Yeah, I think it's there's little downside, right? Um, it's something that you'd always probably regret not doing if you, you never gave it a shot. Absolutely. And like you said, it's, there's always options out there should you you look to return to the workforce. So obviously, that's still taking shape in terms of um, what you'll be doing in terms of the the, the business and um, growth plans and all of those things. But right now, as it stands, where can you add most value to a customer? Yeah, so right now my focus is on Communications Cloud to provide really advisory service. You know, I've been working on Communications Cloud for almost five years. I've been on a handful of implementations. I've seen a lot of good implementations, bad implementations across B2B, B2C. I feel like I bring a unique skill set and unique experience. And, you know, I'm more than happy to share that with new customers that are going on a new journey with Communications Cloud. So that's kind of where I'm positioning myself right now as an independent consultant. Um, I do have the idea to grow uh, practice. I just haven't really decided exactly how hard to grow that. You know, do I want to become a real SI where I'm taking on my own projects and delivering them? Do I want to continue more in the advisory space? Uh, do I want to do something, you know, more different, like, I don't know, trainings or, I don't know, sell my own courses or, I don't know. I, I feel like there's a lot of opportunity. It's it's good to build a niche in some area and Luckily, Comms Cloud doesn't really have that many people focusing on it, so we'll see where the future takes me. Well, we'll have to revisit that in a year's time and see which direction you went in and uh, and what the yeah. how that all kind of fell into place. But um, but yeah, I think there's definitely we we've spoken before about the lack of experience and knowledge in this space, and it's a global market, right? You know, the beauty of Salesforce is you have a brand, you have opportunity with companies all over the world. You don't have to physically be there to add value in an advisory services capacity. And obviously, you've kind of carved out that niche over the last five years, like you mentioned, and and there there isn't that many people that have kind of done that so i guess the final point i want to touch on is having a specialization and the value that you can gain from that because you know you could have stayed i don't want to say generalist because obviously you had specializations in that you knew cpq and you knew different products but you could have been a technical architect broadly but you decided to go into a specialization take a risk on velocity at the time as well i guess because it wasn't you know there were other competitors out there and and you've benefited from that in the long run so is that a career decision you would recommend? And would you say that others should kind of look at focusing on products or uh, industries, uh, things like that? Yeah, I mean, I, I would definitely say find niche, find a specialization. I feel like that's a big factor of my success up to now. And uh, I mean, l let's take the CTA community as an example. So I don't know what the official number is, but I heard something like 400 CTAs globally. Among those 400 CTAs, I'm guessing 100% of them could you know, have extensive sales and service cloud experience and could easily do any sales or service cloud implementation. Uh, then look at that pool and see how many people have worked on comms cloud for one or two projects. It probably then narrows down to maybe one, two, maybe three people. So we're already differentiating ourselves from, you know, maybe a million people in the Salesforce ecosystem to 200, then down to one or two. I feel like that's the key power. Then it, it seriously differentiates you where, you're not just a pool of 100 different people they can select from. You're really, you know, the expert or, 
one of five people that is the expert in your area. And my advice to someone starting out in this ecosystem is yes, there's a risk of, you know, niching down and specializing and then struggling to find opportunities because there just aren't projects in that product. But on the other hand, I think if you choose a product that is successful, that has projects, you won't have a challenge with that. And it really makes you stand out from the crowd. And yeah, you'll be able to you know demand the position you want, the salary you want, the rates you want, etc. So looking at the new products that are available, something like a net zero cloud, that's something I would be very interested in. And I haven't really seen that much on LinkedIn of people building a specialty there. So find some niche product like that, that doesn't have people posting about it, that doesn't have a lot of content on there and, you know, pick that and go as deep as you can. Yeah, I, I think in the early days of having a specialization, you kind of need to be a bit of a business development person as well, because like if you do go after a market that's not necessarily established yet, like sometimes you have to be part of the establishment of that market, right? You have to kind of talk about the product, present the use cases, present the benefits and be vocal about that before people start taking notice in your area. And I think like sometimes that's what puts people off. But then in the long run, like playing that long game, you you know, you're at the forefront of that technology when it does really start to take off. But yeah, I think in the Australian market, we still like even CPQ Revenue Cloud, like there are specialists in Revenue Cloud in Australia, but not anywhere near as many as you would maybe get in the US. So we're not in the space where there's as many specialists per cloud as you might expect in other areas. And I'm not sure why that is. Maybe over the last few years, it's been more of a, a the demand for generalist skills has kind of outweighed the demand for specializations. But obviously, we're seeing specializations being pushed by Salesforce. So it makes sense that that's the way the market's going. Yeah, or um, maybe don't focus on something super niche, but something that could be really complementary to most implementations, something like marketing cloud, I would say is niche. But I would say almost every implementation could use Marketing Cloud on top of what they're doing in Sales Cloud. Or something like an Omni Studio, if they make that available for all you know, core customers, that is super complimentary. You know, pick something like that that complements what you would do on your day-to-day so that you minimize the risk of building too much of a niche and then not being able to find projects there. Mm-hmm. And just on Omni Studio, obviously with Flows, there's there's Trailhead, right? You can get in and, and is that available? Like, can you get your hands dirty in Trailhead with Omni Studio? Yeah, so there are two certifications. There is Omni Studio Developer and Consultant, and there's a trail mix for both that goes into detail about it. You can spin up the dev org. There are some practices that you go through. And I also did a, a series on Apex Hours that has like 10 or 12 modules that show some hands-on demos and stuff, so maybe we can link that in the comments. But Yeah, definitely. Um, I would say, yeah, start with the trail links. If you need more content, take a look at that Apex Hour series. It's a good way to get started. Yeah, awesome. Well, look, thank you so much. I've really enjoyed learning more about the industry space and, and your journey, and obviously wish you every success for the business and excited to see the direction you take. Um, if anyone is listening and wants to reach out, maybe uh, pick your brains about industries or you know might have a piece of work that has your name on it, where's the best place to find you? Yeah, uh, just mess with me on LinkedIn. I'm quite active and, you know, happy to, if you just want to chat about industries, if you want to learn in more detail what is Collins Cloud or Omni Studio or whatever, please do reach out. You know, I'm happy to help however I can. Brilliant. Well, thank you so much. Yeah, thanks a lot, Ben. So that's a wrap for this week's episode. And thank you very much for listening. I hope you enjoyed the chat. And if you did, please make sure you have subscribed for future episodes that are coming through. I would also be very grateful if you would consider leaving a review on your chosen podcast platform as five-star reviews will help us to reach more trailblazers from across the world. I look forward to sharing another episode with you soon and thanks again.